Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode, A Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. So, Bernie, did you hear that uh, the Nobel Prize in Medicine goes to Sweden? I'm not surprised. You know, you guys seem to, like, hog up all the international awards and stuff. And it cons- What did he get it, it for? It concerns extremely ancient things. Neanderthals. Ah. Oh, they had modern humans and Neanderthals had children together? Yes. This came out <laughs> a few years ago, but uh, he did... Decades of groundbreaking work for the Neanderthal DNA. So he proved that uh, we interbred with Neanderthals. And I remember for such a long time, we didn't think we had interbred with Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. And now it turns out that uh, the people with the most Neanderthal DNA are people like me in Northern Europe. So, oh. yeah, Simon and Neanderthal. <laughs> Maybe the Neanderthals must have been pretty smart then, because I feel like all you Swedes are pretty smart. I bet they were. Yeah. And he also found the Denisovans. He did too? Yes. Oh, wow. And then he found a gene that uh, may be pivotal to the human's ability to develop language. Oh, wow. Interesting. And I was just reading about that, where they said that the human language, maybe it was like, I think I posted it on our page. If not, I will. It's like... Maybe 70,000 years ago, we started actually using language, even though we're modern humans are 200,000 years old. And, and we didn't start using like grammar and major sentences and things like that until 20,000 years ago. How they know that, I'm not really sure. But it's, it is part to do with genes and, and things like that. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier in this episode. Yeah. 
Uh, I recently read uh, on Neanderthals as well that um, we are not really sure why they died out. But one hypothesis is that the supervolcano close to Naples, you know, their their big volcano, what's its name in English? Yeah, Pompeii, Mount Vesuvius. Yeah, Mount Vesuvius is just a small chimney for this supervolcano. If you look at the bay outside of Naples, you can see the caldera in the shape of the the peninsulas. Wow. And this uh, thing erupted at about the time the Neanderthals died out. And they think that uh, we we got so much debris thrown over Europe that everybody in most Central Europe and Northern Europe died. Wow, I didn't hear this theory. Except uh, Spain. And that's where you found the last Neanderthals at the cliff of Gibraltar. Ah, they're still running against the bulls. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, Homo sapiens sapiens, we were spread out much more than they were, so we simply repopulated Europe. Uh-huh. And I guess had children with some of the rest of them. Yes, the the Spaniard Neanderthals. I wonder what kind of family that is, you know? You talk, think about mixed families now. You had a Neanderthal mother and a, and a sa- Homo sapien father. It's also thought that this Neanderthal gene helps us to uh, endure cold. Oh, yeah, I did read that. I did read that. Yes, you probably have some with too. But yeah. uh, I, I talked to an African lady who were who had just moved to Stockholm, and she was like struck by how cold it was here, and okay. she she was freezing much earlier than everyone else. Yeah, as uh, yeah, the Neanderthals made a very lit- very small impact on African DNA. Aha, yeah, that makes sense for sure. My, my Christy said that she read an article that the that the maybe that was the reason that. The Homo sapiens would chase down the Neanderthals and mate with them, so because they are faster. I don't know if that's a thing or not either. But <laughs> sometimes people make not her, but sometimes people I don't know they speculate on things that it's like okay maybe, but it's easy to speculate <laughs> on things that are so remote in the past. Right, exactly. Okay, exactly. this is not the Neanderthal podcast. We should probably no. end here. We will end there. I've said I I started this podcast with you in the six eighties. BC, so I can't do the 80s jokes anymore and stuff, because they'll be too confusing. Oh no, the decade jokes are gone. Yeah, probably. Maybe we could bring them back sometime, if the listeners ask. If you want to, we'll bring them back in the 480s. Sounds <laughs> good. Or I could always, you know, we could do the 70s. The 70s were fun. Do you know what I just did? I recorded the anniversary episodes of Mörderpodden, nice. my murder podcast in Sweden. It was five episodes, and the other people were so tired. So we were four people in yeah. the show, and they were so tired after five and a half hours, and I wasn't tired. I love it. I was, I was like, why am I not tired? Why can I do this? And then I remembered, ah, it's all the recordings with Bernie, because <laughs> We talk so much every time. <laughs> it's like exercising your podcasting muscles. Yeah, my podcasting endurance. I know sometimes we were just talking so much before we said we better put the recording on. We're just talking here. <laughs> yes, we better. Yeah, we love it. That's the thing. We're history fans of history. So yeah, here we are. You told me you told me something interesting about Enkidu before we started. Can that go public? Yeah, no, it's it secret. It should be. Yeah, Enkidu is in um, Africa in Malawi. Uh, studying for his bachelor's thesis, and I think he's there uh, till next year at some point. Well, maybe by the time we, this is 
Oh, maybe he'll be back. And maybe Enkidu will come to Scranton and we'll do a podcast there. That would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, he will also be back in time, perhaps, to buy uh, an interesting book. Yeah. Tell us about the book. Yeah, we got. I got an email from one of our listeners in um, Aram. Salchi, I hope I pronounced your name right, but he's writing this really cool cookbook. It's really professional, too. It's like really the graphics and the pictures and everything's really cool. And it's a book. It's called Table of Gods, and it's a cookbook. It's it's um, uncovering the world's oldest recipes dating to the 18th century and turning them into a cookbook. So it's like really cool. I'll post the link. There's He's got three free recipes on the website now you can you can get. And um, uh, my lady friend Christy and I, we made um, the Nana's Moon Bread. Big shout out to her. She's super cool. She listens to the podcast. So we should probably hear this. Hi, Christy. Hello, Christy. Yeah, we had a really good time. We made the um, we made the moon bread, and we had to make the dough. We had to put the filling in it. They were like um, sort of like a dumpling. A Polish people, we'd call them like a pierogi. They were freaking fantastic. I thought, well, you know, it'll probably be kind of bland. or No, it was really good. So, yeah. And then I think Aram and I are going to do a podcast on the book too. And yes, please. And really interesting is like I think we think Aram and Enki do might even know each other. So I literally like like that's pretty random, I guess. But to meet a couple guys from Sweden, some guy from Scranton. <laughs> nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I love Sweden. Anyway, uh, to, I don't think you said BC after 18th century. So to clarify, it's 800 years older than the the things we covered in the very first episode of Fenno history. You're right. You're right. I didn't. And it is. It's 18th century BC. So these are like re- the really the first, you know, cook recipes written down in history. Wow. I mean, the first ones that we still have. Somebody probably wrote a recipe a long time ago. but Maybe some of the K paintings are recipes. They probably are. How to cook a bison. <laughs> <laughs> Take bison, put on fire. Nom, nom. <laughs> That's... um. You know, it's funny. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a little tangent, but I just read a really interesting article about that. Like, where language really, until like maybe 20,000 years ago, didn't become more where we have the grammar we have now. So we know we've been humans for 200,000 years, but our language was more like that. Put bison on fire. You know? <laughs> Lie and run. We didn't have like, oh, it's a beautiful day and I'm feeling there's a conundrum about what I should do this morning. It took a long time before we got to that. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, I guess it was the Atlanteans that invented all that stuff. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> we'll get back to the Atlanteans when we come to the Phrygians. There we go. But this is the decade of the Battle of the Eclipse, which we will it address is. later. We will address that. Um, maybe not in this episode, but we will. But we'll get to that. So this episode is about what? Greece, I think, right? We're going to talk about Greece? Yes, we need to talk about Greece. All right. So last time we talked about Greece, we talked about Solon, if you remember, and we talked about, you know, how Draco was having everybody executed. So I was wondering, how did they execute people in Greece in this era? So later, if you remember Socrates, they used hemlock. But in this time period, they did it by either throwing you off a cliff or it was death by the board. Which is so funny, you'd think the Greeks are so civilized. I guess eventually they did the hemlock thing, but the death on the board was pretty bad. They held you down on rings and nailed you down, and it's kind of like crucifixion, but you were laid down and they left you out to die, stretched you and everything. How do they stretch you? They, um, they, they put an iron ring around your neck, the hands and your ankles and, uh, with some sharp projections. And they had been stretched on the board. They found, like, they found these 17 bodies. They could tell they were stretched. How they stretched, I don't know. They don't know if they had a crank or not. It doesn't seem like it. They probably just pulled you real tight and tied you tight. That's horrible. Horrible, really. I'd rather get thrown off the cliff, I think. Yes, the cliff seems much better. <laughs> much better. You get a nice view before you die. Exactly. And then eventually they also had this um, another method called a tympanion, which is basically like a club. So they just clubbed you. <laughs> oh. oh, that's interesting. So there's the start of that. So, yeah, so definitely he didn't want to be stealing cabbage back before Solon and then end up, you know, tied to a board or clubbed to death. So did Solon actually change the methods of execution? Or? No, not that we know of. Nothing like that because we don't think until – it wasn't until like um, the 4th century B.C. that they started to just use the hemlock and stuff. Well, Socrates. When did Socrates drink the hemlock? In the 300s or the 400s? Around then. 400s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to have died in 399. Yeah. That's, they were much more um, civil back once the turn of the next century. <laughs> they they stopped throwing people off cliffs. <laughs> so we have Olympics in Greece, too. Oh, tell me. Um, and the la- I listened to our last episode, and I, there was, an, there was uh, somebody won something called the Tetrippin, and we didn't know what that was, and that's the chariot race. Oh, of course. The Tetrippin was the chariot race. So so this was, so 588 BC, we have the 48th Olympian, Olympiad. We have Glossus of Croton. He won the stadium. Croton is in, is in Italy. That's in southern Italy. Okay, so no Spartan? Not that year. No. Later we have a Spartan. So this same year, 588, we have boxing. Pythagoras of Samos. And this is kind of cool because in 588, he was still a boy. And he just, he gave the oath of the 16 months training to take part in the games. So during this Olympics, the 48th, he was excluded from the boys' boxing and they was mocked for being effeminate. 
But then he went on to win the men's, and he defeated all his opponents. A kid. Wow. I mean, I know some some kids. I mean, you probably when you did training, like I have these. I know this one kid I box with. Like his name is Suell. He's like 13 years old. I said, I'm never boxing Suell because I have no. There's no victory here. Either he beats the hell out of me, which he probably will, or I beat up a 13 year old. So forget it. But the kid was like, I wouldn't. He probably would have beat me up. So. I could see how it could happen. Yeah, that's probably what happened with Pythagoras of Samos. Not not that Pythagoras, we must add. No, not the one who made the theorem. No, th- this was a more violent boy. Yeah, this kid was something else. And, yeah, if you remember, they didn't wear gloves, and they fought to pretty much to knockout, so something else. Then we have, um, so then the next, that's all we have for the 588 Olympics, and then we only have one for the 49th Olympics, which is 584, and we have... Uh, license of Croton won the stadium. A good decade of sports for Croton. Yeah, true that. And it's one, that's it. And then we have the 50th, which is 580 BC. And, oh man, maybe you could say that name. Epitelidas of Laconia, a Spartan. Finally, a Spartan won something. So that's the Olympics. And then this, this I found this cool little thing about Greece and, you know, Olympics, I should say, and athletics and training. And this is this is sort of this is from our era too. We don't have the exact date, but this is from this time period. There's this guy. He's a weightlifter. His name is Bibin, and he's. They say he lifted a 316 pound stone. 316 pounds. How many kilograms is that? I should have put that in there. Like 150. Yeah, something like that. They said that they used to lift weights. You know, part of their training was to lift weights. You know, Hercules was so popular. How being so strong he was. They said. But so this, anyway, this is about this weightlifter, Bibin, because they found this stone, right? This 316-pound stone that, that there is. They said that, you know, back in the day, they used to only use stone dumbbells were like two to nine kilograms, or maybe that's five to 20 pounds each. So this guy had this huge rock, and in the rock it says, Bibin, son of Fola, has lifted me overhead with one hand. That looks like an amazing feat. Yeah, I would say. 316 pounds stone. The stone looks very unergonomic. <laughs> How do you lift that with like, one hand? Yeah, you know, maybe it just sort of lied too, but... Maybe he lifted it with two hands and then held it up with one. Maybe. There is a picture of it in front of me. Yeah, it doesn't have a handle on it or anything. It just, you know, says he did it. It sounds impossible. because Even a modern athlete couldn't really do that, so... There's no accounts of this guy. He's just some, you know... That's the only account we have is the stone, and but we think he's from you know they place him sometime in the early sixth century BC, which is around now, and the the stone was found in Olympia. How fitting! And you could go and, yeah, exactly. So that is um the stone that's from that time. I think he was maybe like a power lifter or maybe like a big bodybuilder type of guy, not like one of your Greek chiseled athletes. You know, if he's lifting three hundred sixteen pounds, no. <laughs> yeah, he must have been pretty bulky. Yeah, exactly. I have to explain, if you hear some sounds in my background, it's uh, a very interesting technological invention made by my uh, uh, city. I actually, I'm actually in Solna, which is kind of a part of Stockholm, but don't tell them that. And this, uh, the city's government has uh, been become extremely fascinated with sucking away all the garbage. Oh. So there's a garbage sucking machine. <laughs> which uh, has tunnels under all the houses. And then when you drop your garbage, it gets sucked away by this enormous machine. No. 
freaking way. So wait, you put your, do you take your garbage out and you dump it and it just sucks it somewhere? Yes, I throw it in a hole in the wall <laughs> right next to my door. And uh, then it lands in a room from which it is sucked by the machine. And then where does it go? And then it goes to some main processing place where they take care of it. And Amazing. this is, it exists in some places, but it's not common. And but they have been very pleased with it, so now they're replacing it with an even <laughs> with an even bigger sucking machine. Wow. <laughs> That's good. So now it's, it. it's That's the name of this episode, <laughs> the biggest sucking machine in history. <laughs> and it's it's hard to get out of the house because a lot of area is uh, fenced off for this project, and now they have heavy uh, machines outside. Amazing. So Ooh, sorry about the old that sucking machine. Uh, okay, back to weightlifting. All right. So we have an actual person here, a very famous person. We've I've talked about him a little bit before. This is his time, though. He was born before here, so we talked about him. His name is Thales of Miletus, and it's spelled like Thales, T-H-A-L-E-S, but it's pronounced Thales. And so he is the first of the pre-Socratic philosophers. So basically, he's like the original of all the Western philosophers. If you're like a philosopher, philosophy major, you study philosophy, you have a I have a guy that's in our podcasting group that has a philosophy um, podcast, and this is the first philosopher that they'll put in. His name is Thales. There was, um, the Greeks had seven ancient th- uh, sages, according to Plato and some others, and their list could have different ones. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But Thales is always the top of the list. Everybody's list has Thales as the, you know... One of the seven ancient sages. Oh, yeah. The name of my friend's podcast is called Philosophize, Th- Philosophize This. Good name. Yeah, it's a good name. He's a very popular podcast, actually. And um, But his very first one is about Thales. You know, he's the first that we know of anyway that he used rational thought to describe the world instead of, you know, gods and goddesses and all that. If you, you know, remember Hesiod, he had his poem, but he's, everything was God and goddesses and stuff like that. I mean, maybe somebody else. Remember, we had that mammoth, the guy that got ripped apart by a mammoth in 60,000 B.C., but only only Graham Hancock knows about him. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about so. Graham Hancock later as well. Okay, we'll talk about him later. He So these guys were like, his his one, he had a the principle was like, everything is made out of one thing. So we call them philosophers. And a lot of times today we think philosophers like, thinking all this esoteric or like spiritual stuff. But in these days, philosophers is more kind of more like a scientist, more like metaphysics, a physics of everything. Like how's the world put together and, you know, not like, you know, not like the philosophy of Nietzsche. This is a different kind of philosophy, I think I would say. So his, and this would carry on to other philosophers, that there's, you know, everything is made out of something, like a cause. He called it a, an arch. His, his thinking was that everything, the main building block of the world or everything was water. You know, later philosophers would use other elements like air, different things. And it's kind of funny when you think about it because now 
you know, now we know everything's built with atoms and atoms are made out of quarks and we're always trying to get to the basic building block. So this is like the first of somebody trying to say, hey, everything must be made of something, not like it came from the gods. You know what I mean? I have to correct you there. Atoms are made of uh, protons, neutrons, and electrons. They are made of quarks. Aha, correct. Go on. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. Sounds like you're, sounds like you're splitting atoms there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... How about, hey, I know I'm on a tangent, but... As we're recording this, we think we have, you know, the first incidents of nuclear fusion actually, you know, having a reaction that worked. I heard that. Yeah, that put more more energy came out than came in. So if somebody 10,000 years from now is listening to this uh, podcast, we'll say that's when it happened. This was the year. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, they, uh, he supposedly was quite handsome. The, uh, the picture's the busts of him. He looks pretty handsome. Herodotus says he was well-traveled. He supposedly has, there's a couple of books that are attributed to him. It may be his, they may be, you know, other ones, but it's there's nautical astronomy on the solstice and on the equinox. Do, do these books survive? I believe so, yeah. Wow. I believe so. At least parts of them must. He used um, he used math to figure out the height of the pyramids by using by its shadow. He I think he did it at the one of the equinoxes and you know he could measure the shadow. So he knew, measured the height of the pyramids, they say. Wow, clever. Yep. And he has his own theorem. It's called it's called Thales' theorem. It states that um, it's uh, it's in geometry, which is not my you know strong point. But if so, basically, I'll just read it here. It's if A, B, and C are distinct points on a circle where A and C are the diameter, then the angle ABC is a right angle. So he supposedly. They say the Babylonians probably had this too, and that's maybe where he learned it. But he proved it by however you prove geometry. Well, I remember this from uh, university. Yes, you Swedes are smarter than me. I, I had geometry in 10th grade, and that was it. I have a Master of Science degree, so I should know this. Well, yes, see, I have a, do not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, what's, uh, that's the main interesting thing is, like, he is the first philosopher, the first person to, you know, start writing and saying things that could have a natural cause. It's not everything by the gods and that kind of thing. But he, he wasn't perf- perfectly that. There's this little interesting thing that he totally broke with r- religious explanation of things. Because there's a town in called Magnesia, which has magnets. And he said because magnets attract iron, that means they have a soul. So he it seems to imply that Thales thought the soul was the cause of movement. And his idea was that even minerals could have a soul. And so basically everything is animated. But you know what's funny? Like... There's a lot of scientists now that saying consciousness is in all matter. Have you ever heard this, how they say this? No, I haven't. Yeah, basically they say, you know, like, you know, we're the top of consciousness as far as we know because we're humans. And, you know, like chimpanzees have a form of consciousness and birds have some form of consciousness and slugs have it. And right down to like carrots might have some, so, you know, all matter, they say, could have some form of consciousness. If there's any carrots out there listening, I hope you're enjoying our podcast. Uh, pl- please become our patrons, uh, carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't eat any more carrots if 10 of you sign up. Yeah. Yeah, Pythagoras was into that. He Pythagoras, he's around this era. He's, he's, they, were, they didn't eat beans because they thought that when you ate the beans, the soul came out when that was in your gas. So it was like a whole, it was a whole crazy thing with that. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first attempts at the real science here by the Greeks, they uh, are can, of course, not be totally perfect. Right. 
exactly, but this is the start of it. I mean, you know, the Babylonians had math and things like that. And obviously, the Assyrians used it, but I feel like they were more more religious than the... I mean, the Greeks were definitely religious, but here's where, like I say, you start them, you know, putting science into things. And then he had one other thing, but I'm not going to... I don't think we're going to talk about the whole thing here, but we'll just, pre, we'll just um, tease it, because Thales predicted a solar eclipse on the 28th of May, 585, which actually happened. That's incredibly amazing. And he must have done that on the base of Babylonian astronomy. Right. But that allows us the chance to exactly date the Battle of the Eclipse. Right. Which is rare. You remember that we had that uh, eclipse back in the day of the day of Sargon II? Yes. That's another way they date. So that's how historians were able to to triangulate different events in history. Because they could say this is an actual date, and then we know this guy died before then, and this guy wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. So. But this is the first that he could actually predict it. Oh, correct. You're right. So, yeah, he was a pretty smart dude. So that's basically all I have on Greece for the 580s right now. They're just biding their time. I want to shout out a couple other people here. We have a, this, is, this was a post from a while ago, but we haven't recorded since I got it. We have um, big, I'm sorry, Michael Big Familiars. He commented on our post, the one when we were taping our episode in Sweden, and he said, this was an awesome episode and a surprise for all listeners. So I appreciate that, Michael. Also want to shout out Jason Saunders, who is such a slacker. I know he's not listening to a podcast anymore. He used to listen all the time. And so if I say his name and he doesn't say, hey, I heard you shout me out, I know you're not listening, Jason. So let's go step it up. And then... We do have to have a shout out to our sponsor, Marduk's Mattress Warehouse. I'm sorry, it's Marduk's Mattress Emporium. There is a Marduk's Mattress Warehouse that they're going to be opening, but that's secret. I can't talk about that yet. It's going to be in a different area. It's going to be their outlet store. So that's a little teaser that you have. But we're their exclusive podcast, history podcast for Marduk's Mattress Emporium. And they are opening stores in media now because the Medes are very... They're, you know, they're not laying on the floors much anymore. They like some mattresses. And remember, their guarantee is that they're at least 85% free of bed bugs and stinging insects. And their slogan is, if you want to make love like a god, you have to get a Marduk's Mattress Emporium. Nice. Yeah, so don't forget them. <laughs> uh, don't forget about our Patreon. Go to patreon.com and search for Fan of History. If you like this show, this is what helps us go on with it. Yes. Also, check out our Facebook page. Please check out our Facebook page. Check out Table of Gods. I'll post a link for that for the cookbook. But yeah, check out our Patreon. Check out our Facebook page. And in our next episode, I think we're going to have a pretty cool episode about an explorer. This is a special episode about a great journey of exploration. Yeah. Made by Hanno. Yes. That'll be our next narrative episode. Our next episode episode will be uh, what's new in history, because we do have some of those in the gun. Sounds great. Speak to you next time. Yeah, next time, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.